This is Kate Swoboda, creator of YourCourageousLife.com, director of the Courageous Living Coach Certification at TeamCLCC.com, and author of the book, The Courage Habit, which is available at booksellers and at Amazon. The Your Courageous Life podcast is all about going after what you want and creating and living a more courageous, emotionally resilient life. Might drop a couple of F-bombs, so maybe don't listen with your kids in the backseat of the car. And here we go with today's episode. All right, everybody. Today we're looking at a topic that everybody can use a little bit of help with. Absolutely everybody. And it is recognizing self-sabotage. And I say that everybody could use a little bit of help with this topic because often people only recognize self-sabotage in hindsight. They get caught in a self-sabotage behavior but they don't necessarily recognize it when it's happening. They only recognize it later. And I would really like to help you learn how to see self-sabotage behaviors in the now, what they look like, so that you can change them in the now. You know, self-sabotage is just a form of fear. We often don't label it that way, but that's what it is. When we're afraid of something, we unconsciously sabotage our own efforts because the idea of facing that fear or getting to whatever is on the other side of that fear feels like too much. And the problem with self-sabotage in particular is that self-sabotage behaviors undermine not just your progress with a goal, but your sense of self-trust. So the cost to your life is not just oh, I have this goal that I wanted to see happen and I didn't make enough forward progress on it. The cost to your life is that when you self-sabotage, it's hard to trust yourself, especially because you never know if you're going to do the behavior again and not even realize it. So anything you can do to get really conscious about where you sabotage yourself is really, really helpful. I'm going to read a little bit from my book, The Courage Habit, about what the saboteur or self-sabotage routine looks like. And if you're a longtime podcast listener, you know that I have been dedicating the last few podcast episodes to different types of fear routines. We've gone over a people-pleasing routine. We've gone over a perfectionist routine. And today we're getting into a self-sabotage routine. And if you haven't listened to the other episodes on people-pleasing or perfectionism, highly recommend that you do. We do all of these behaviors. We just usually have one routine in particular that hooks us more than the others. So uh, hand in the air, raising my hand, perfectionism as a routine hooks me far more often than people-pleasing does, but I can absolutely find those places where I can get caught in people-pleasing. And with all of these routines, what we're looking at is where a behavior has become habitual. And because it's become habitual, we don't even realize that it's operating on autopilot. So I'm going to read a little bit from The Courage Habit to describe what that saboteur or self-sabotage routine looks like so that you can start to recognize these behaviors when they show up in your life. And then we'll finish today's episode talking about some of the things that you can do about it. So here we go. The saboteur 
The hallmark of the saboteur routine is an inability to make sustained progress due to a pattern of taking two steps forward and one step back in some way, shape, or form. That's what we're thinking of today. So people who are stuck in the saboteur routine, find, find any place where you've done this before, they will find themselves constantly bouncing from thing to thing, having difficulty with commitment. Perhaps they'll feel excited about something and then quickly feel tied down by that very thing so that it feels like an obligation. So it's this sense of like, oh, 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 I'm going to go after this thing. I'm going to make this dream happen. And then suddenly feeling saddled with the obligation of the work it will take or the pressure that will be necessary. Saboteurs have often gone through their lives getting feedback from others about how they aren't really applying themselves. There's a tendency to change homes, jobs, relationships. Some people would call this shiny object syndrome, always being seduced by the next thing or the thing that looks better. There can be difficulties with accountability, finishing what you start, not getting enough traction or movement to sustain something. Someone with the self-sabotage routine might jump into projects without getting foundational aspects in place because doing that, getting those aspects in place is either too much work or they worry that it'll kill the creative spontaneity and they tend to stop trying as soon as something no longer holds their interest. And I have heard it become more and more popular in self-help in recent years for people to be like, well, you know, you just have to follow what, what you're drawn to and that's what life's all about. And it's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you are living a life full of mundane tasks, a life that does not at all reflect who you are, then I can totally see how you would, you would really need to go, hey, I need to stop trying at this because it actually doesn't hold my interest. But with the self-sabotage or saboteur routine, the difference is that they never get roots. You know, there's a real rootedness that comes from digging deep and sticking with something for the long haul. And somebody who is in that saboteur routine tends to have very little that they are actually really rooted in. Sometimes someone with the saboteur routine creates chaos to overwhelm themselves so that they won't need to take action. It's unintentional, it's unconscious, but they end up creating drama. And then that drama that they create, that's a side drama, ends up becoming so overwhelming that, it, that then it goes, it's just not the right time. I just, I, I, I got to start taking things off my list. It's too much. I got this other thing that I got to deal with. Drama around housing, drama around money, drama around breakups and relationships, drama around family fights. Someone stuck in the saboteur routine is often thinking about how to avoid or get out of commitments. They th- tell themselves things such as, well, I got a little bit done, so now I can take a break. And here's the thing about that statement. We all need downtime, but someone in the saboteur routine will start doing things that undermine the progress they've already made. So they'll spend because they saved. They'll binge on unhealthy foods because they exercised. They will get some momentum going, and then that's the moment when they start taking on too much. They often get irritated with people who try to hold them accountable. I've heard people who have trouble with the saboteur routine talk about, 
oh, that person who wants me to be accountable, they're being so rigid that they need to relax. I'll get it done on my own time. And they feel controlled by those commitments and they want to live by their own rules and they want ease and they want self-care and that's the talk they talk. But they might be leaving other people in the lurch after having committed to them. They might be leaving themselves in the lurch, not really putting sustained effort in the direction of their dreams. A couple more examples would include putting forth tiny efforts and expecting big returns, waiting until the last possible minute to deal with something uncomfortable, getting upset with others who expect them to follow through and do what they said they were going to do, or failing to take the time to put things into place for long-term success. And when someone is trying to unhook from this routine, they can often find themselves struggling to rely on their instincts or having a hard time telling the difference between quitting something because it's not right for them versus quitting something because the routine has hooked them again. So in other words, people who get stuck in that self-sabotage routine know that sometimes you need to quit things because they're not right for you. But someone who's been doing the quitting because it doesn't feel right for so long over and over and over and over and over and over is then going, I need to stop doing that. So how do I sort through the difference between those times when I need to quit because it's not right for me versus I'm quitting because that's the easy way out. That's the thing that reduces the intimidation factor. Now, when we talk about habits, we talk about in the brain, habits are formed with a cue, routine, reward loop. You feel a cue of something, you go into a routine that is a response to that cue, you get the reward. The reward is for the brain, whatever decreases stress, whatever is known, whatever can be anticipated, whatever can be controlled. The brain really likes those things. And self-sabotage in its own strange way, is a form of control. If you have always had a dream of writing a book and then you sit down to do it and then you go into a self-sabotage routine unconsciously, unintentionally of creating too much drama in your life and then you can't concentrate to write that book in this strange, underhanded sort of way, you have just given yourself an out. You have just controlled the situation and taken down the intimidation factor by going, oh, maybe I don't need to do this book because, you know, now's not the right time. There's just too much going on. There's all this drama, you know. People do this with careers too. One way that I've commonly seen people do this with careers actually is, is something they, you might not necessarily anticipate. So deciding I want to change careers I I see this with life coaches who are changing careers and then starting to tell people I'm going to become a life coach. But how curious is it that some of the first people you might tell would be the people who have a history of being a wet blanket? Classic self-sabotage maneuver. I want to change careers. It's scary. It's hard. I'm not totally sure what I'm doing but I'm going to do it. And then going into unconsciously a self-sabotage routine by going and telling your, I don't know, your mother-in-law who is like the most critical person ever 
about your plans. And then she poops all over the idea and is like, oh, it's not the right time, the economy, the stock market, da, da, da. Like, what do you think you're doing? And then you go, oh, you know what? She's probably right. Self-sabotage. Because the person to talk to about your big dream is the person who sees the best in you, who knows what you're capable of, who's going to be right beside you as you stretch into a new way of being. That's the person you want to talk to when you're going after something that you want. So these self-sabotage behaviors often can be best helped by structure. That's right, structure, in part because it is the very thing that somebody stuck in self-sabotage is always running away from. This two steps forward, one step back, shiny object syndrome, has trouble with commitment, can't finish the things you start, the antidote to that is to start making it about integrity and being someone who can be counted on, being someone who is known for their integrity and for their ability to follow through. Often it can be easier for people to identify as, oh yeah, you know, I get stuck in shiny object syndrome or I'm a multi-passionate creator. That's just how I am. And, and that's the easy part of that identity. And then people listen to podcasts and go out into their lives and it's like, oh yeah, you know, maybe I'll work on that sometime. No, this pattern is costing you something. It's costing you the ability to really root down and see what you're capable of. It's costing you success. It's costing you being known by others as someone who can really be counted upon. Now, I have been in contact with some people in my life who are classic saboteurs. And I'm thinking of a couple people in particular. They're they're really fun to hang out with. There's all this fun, spontaneous, creative energy. But based on these self-sabotage behaviors, there's a limit to how much it's healthy to trust them. There's a limit to how much it's healthy to connect with them. Because all over their lives, you can just see that they don't follow through. Which means that, unfortunately relying on them, making a choice to rely on someone who has self-sabotage all over their life is probably not a great choice because they're probably not going to be able to follow through unless they make a decision to shift that behavior. So I'm talking about self-sabotage behaviors in this way because I really want someone who recognizes that they have a saboteur pattern to understand that there, there might be people in your life who do love and care about you, but there's a way in which if those people are, are seeing the pattern that's at work in your life, necessarily they're going to have to have a boundary around how much interdependence they have with you because they might be recognizing, I can't actually depend on you. And I think that most people want to look around in their lives and go, I'm a dependable person. I am someone who can be depended on. I'm a trustworthy person. I am a person of integrity. So self-sabotage behaviors, they undermine not just your progress, but they undermine how much trust you will have in yourself. They undermine how much trust other people can have in you. And that's 
actually a cost to your life. My suggestion for someone who's going, okay, there's a real cost to my life here would be to say it is time to double down on a commitment to something. And by double down, I mean, no how, no way am I going to let this commitment slip through my fingers. Maybe it is a commitment to a tangible goal like traveling the world, changing jobs, writing books, you know, the things that I've already mentioned, running a 5K. And that's a great thing to put down a tangible commitment around. Your commitment might also be to something intangible, such as maybe you spiral out into drama and it's like, okay, my commitment is to notice every single time I'm about to spiral out into drama. I am going to understand everything I can about this pattern, about where I go. Maybe your commitment, which would be intangible, would be something around noticing how you're constantly scanning your environment for that oh, is there something else that's captivating my interest? That shiny object syndrome, adding things up, putting them on your plate. Or maybe your intangible commitment would be to really notice the belief systems or the tendencies or the mindsets that lead you to consistently try to find the easy way out. The path of least resistance that's just like super chill and doesn't really give you too much that you have to be responsible for. What's a commitment that you can make to yourself that you will follow through on for, say, the next 30 days, tangible or intangible? And how do you make that commitment and decide that no matter how uncomfortable it is and no matter what challenge comes your way, you are going to follow through? And what's more, you're going to pay attention to where it is that you might unconsciously be setting up more work for yourself where you might unconsciously be participating in some kind of a behavior that makes things more challenging than they need to be. I mean, who wants things to be harder, right? (laughs) We'd all like it if things could be a little bit easier. When I was writing The Courage Habit, I wrote a chapter on reframing limiting stories. And I talked about someone who I call Carolyn and What I talk about is the ways in which she had some stories that she really was, was just stuck. And she particularly had stories around commitment and that commitment would mean that she'd have to settle. She'd have to settle for things that she didn't like. And that story was what was really locking her into this self-sabotage pattern. Because as long as she had the story that commitment was going to lock her into something that she didn't like, commitment would feel like this heavy, burdensome obligation. So self-sabotage is also about really recognizing those places where you have stories. You have this idea that might not be true. You know, personally, I think commitment is a really deep, rich, journey, I guess you could say, I think the process of commitment is a beautiful one. I I actually like riding the energy of something I've committed to and, and kind of navigating surfing, if you will, the highs and the lows and the times when it feels like, wait, I don't know what I'm doing. And why did I even set out on this journey anyway? But you know what? I'm committed and I really want to see what happens if I push into this perceived limit. And I'm 
really excited for what could happen if I move all the way through that limit and and stick through this and and practice integrity and get to the other side of what I've committed to. Those those beliefs, those stories that I have about commitment help me to stay committed. But when somebody has some really negative stories about commitment, it feels harder to stay committed. So this is part of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about really deciding that you need to introduce some structure so that you can see what it feels like to follow through. Now, there might be someone listening who recognize that they have some self-sabotage behaviors, but they actually don't have as much trouble with follow through. So they're a little bit like, hmm, I don't have problems committing to something and following through. I don't think I do anyway. So hmm, I don't know. Hmm, This might not be me. Well, let me tell you something. Um, and I, I'm a classic perfectionist person personally. I'm all about the goals. I will set the goals. I will follow through. I just talked a moment ago about commitment being beautiful. And yet I recognize that I have some places where I self-sabotage and I see my own self-sabotage these days as being like upper limit problems, you know, getting, getting, you know, really uncomfortable with something when I'm trying to stretch into a new space and playing small. That's a form of self-sabotage. I have had situations where um, I had some media attention coming my way. And for as much as I you know, spent a lot of time going, I would love some media attention. I'd love for my work to go farther and further into the world. Getting an email from someone, a journalist or producer or somebody else, and then reading it and not replying right away. Because for a moment, it was kind of like <gasps> visibility, attention, people looking at what I'm, you know, it's like there's no logical reason to want <laughs> my work to go farther into the world and then get self-conscious and insecure and fearful and, you know, not respond to the email right away when it comes in. <laughs> but this is, a, this is what we do. You know, these we're, we're imperfect and we're silly and we're human. And, and now what I have in my life is a recognition of what self-sabotage behaviors look like so that I don't literally miss those opportunities. I, I can think of opportunities I've missed, literally missed, oh, where I just, I didn't respond to the email for a while. And then finally I email back and they're like, oh gosh, thank you so much for replying. But you know, now we ended up getting a different source for that story. So the places where self-sabotage can happen, if they don't look like the kind of stereotypical profile of self-sabotage, it, it could be that there are places where there's an upper limit thing going on. And that's when you self-sabotage. So that's why it's so important for us to look at all of these behaviors and not think that, oh, oh, I'm immune to that one. I never do that one. Well, no, we all do all of them, but usually one of them hooks us a little bit more than the others. And there's real value in paying attention to all the different places where we do all of them. All right. That's today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You know you can continue the work and the fun if you want to. 
head on over to yourcourageouslife.com forward slash begin and become a Your Courageous Life subscriber because as soon as you sign up, you get access to an entire library of worksheets and audios and other bonuses. And of course, you'll be receiving more courage in your inbox and who wouldn't love that? You can learn more about the Courageous Living Coach Certification at teamclcc.com. You can get The Courage Habit at your local bookseller, on Amazon, wherever you like. We can even connect on social media. I'm on Facebook at Your Courageous Life. So look for facebook.com forward slash Your Courageous Life. And I'm on Instagram as Kate Courageous. And I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. So here's to you using these courageous tools in your life and creating a real ripple effect of good. And again, thanks so much for listening. I love it that you're here.